Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lent, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You can learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com or you can download the free Living Truth app. Now here's Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus 4, 10 through 17 called, Oh Lord, Please Send Someone Else. Exodus 4, we're going to look at verses 10 through 17, second book of your Bible. Please, Lord, send somebody else. Ever felt like that? (laughs) We have a room full of people who have answered the call of God in various ways. Some of you are involved in uh, local ministry. Some of you are involved in missions. Uh, There's a lot of different expressions of faith in this room right now. Some of you have been fighting the call of God for a long time, and maybe this is going to speak to you about you answering the call in your own individual life. I was thinking of a scene in the Gospel of Luke when Peter was getting to know the Lord, and the Lord was preaching from the boat, and he told Peter, let's put out for a catch, and Peter said, Master, we've, we've been fishing all night, we've caught nothing, but at your word, we'll do it. And so they put out, and if you remember the text, they took in such a great catch that it was beginning to break the nets, and they had two boats, and they were trying to bring the fish in, and Peter had a moment where he, I think he was overwhelmed by the power and presence of the Lord, and he said, Lord, depart from me, I am a sinful man. I don't think you want to be with a guy like me. And the Lord went on to say to Peter, don't be afraid. You'll be fishing for men. And Peter had no idea the journey that he was in for. And he would go through his ups and downs, as you know, as you've read his story in the Gospels. But what a servant of the Lord he would become. And he would really be raised up after he fell on his face on that night when Jesus said, you're going to deny that you know me three times. And yet he became a lion of the faith. And if you read the book of Acts, the first 10 chapters and plus are really about Peter. Peter opening the door of the gospel in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth as he goes into the house of Cornelius. Peter had no idea what the Lord was going to do with him. But he had a moment early on in his interaction with Jesus when he was like, I'm not the guy. I I think you should just leave now and don't think about me again. But Peter was the guy. He was selected by Jesus for a reason, and so have you been, and so have I. I remember early on in my uh, journey in walking with the Lord, this was probably in the early to mid-90s, I remember many poignant moments where I was trying to break away from a lot of old habits and decisions that I had made, pretty poor decisions really, And the Lord was working in my life, and I felt an undeniable tug into the ministry. And I remember, as close as I've ever gotten to an audible voice, the Lord saying to my heart, I want you to decide, and I want you to give me everything. And it wasn't hard for me to say yes to the Lord. It wasn't hard for me to say yes even to the calling that I felt pretty early in my walk with the Lord. But it was hard to give him everything. (laughs) Can you relate? It's hard to surrender everything. Would you pray with me, Father? As we uh, study this incredible text, we look at a man that so many of us, we know his name. There's no question about who he is. We 
probably think very positive thoughts about Moses, that you know, he was a great leader. He was a very humble man. He endured a lot. He represented you well. He had his moments, no doubt, but he was very faithful. And yet, at the burning bush, we see his humanity. We see his uh, hesitation to answer the call. And would you help us, Lord, because we know the calling that you have on our life is irrevocable. It's something that you planned from the very beginning. Good works that we should walk in them. And yet, in our humanity, Lord, we know we have a part to play. We need to fan the gift into flame. We need, uh, we need to make sure that we are surrendered to you. And I pray, Lord, that whatever you want to say, you would say. And we'd have ears to hear what you would say to your people, to your church, for your glory. In Jesus' name I pray, and all God's people said, amen. This is the last section. It wraps up Moses before the burning bush. And Moses, Exodus 4.10, said to the Lord, please, Lord, I've never been eloquent, neither recently nor in time past. Exodus 4.10. Nor since thou hast spoken to thy servant. I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. With his fourth argument, Moses focuses on his speech disability. He lacked eloquence is what he says. He is saying something like, I lack the ability to speak publicly. They say that the, the greatest fear of people uh, throughout the ages Next to dying is the fear of public speaking. It does something to us. And I remember when I was first starting out as a pastor, public speaking was not something that I necessarily enjoyed. In fact, I will confess that there were times that I acted like I was sick to miss oral report day. And my mom's on the front row. And if I just went... (laughs) Mom, I don't feel good. She'd say, good, stay home. Because she always wanted to protect me. She still wants to protect me. But it was easy for me to get out of school. That's basically what I'm saying. <laughs> and I remember, you know, uh, some of the early moments when I shared my testimony as a new Christian and uh, got in front of a group of people. It was not the most comfortable thing for me. It wasn't my sweet spot But I felt like the Lord wanted me to not worry so much about that, but to worry about the content of what he wanted to say. And so as time went by, uh, thresholds were crossed, and I found myself before a radio microphone, and it was, I have to admit, pretty intimidating, and then sometimes a camera, and you're like, help me, Lord, and Sometimes in the middle of situations where you're the only one that walks into a place where it's a mixed multitude and they may not expect to hear the gospel from you, but you're called to preach it. Memorial services, city council meetings, you name it, the Lord has put me there. And uh, there's probably much more to come that I don't even know about right now. (laughs) But Moses is at the burning bush and I think we can all appreciate his hesitancy He says something like this, literally the Hebrew could be, I am not a man of words. I'm heavy in mouth, heavy in tongue, unable to articulate my thoughts fluently with flowing speech. There's a lot of different conjecture about what was going on with Moses. What was the deal? 
Did he have a speech problem? Was it psychological? Was it a lack of confidence? Was it a physical problem? Had Moses lost some confidence as he spent 40 years in Midian? Had he become too comfortable? You know, the the text tells us in Exodus 7-7 that when Moses appeared before the Pharaoh, he was 80 years old. Did he feel like he was too old? You know, sometimes we get older in years and we, we might feel like, you know what, I don't have much more to give anymore. But I, I believe it's Exodus 7, 7 says that when they first appear before the Pharaoh, Moses is 80 and Aaron is 83. Now, I know for most of us, we don't think about starting our ministry in our 80s, but that's where they were. Did Moses lack some confidence because of his age? I don't know. Was he worried about getting tongue-tied in the royal court? Possibly. An ancient document called The Tale of the Eloquent Peasant suggests that eloquence was important in Egyptian culture, just like it was in Greek and Roman culture, something which Moses would have well known from his time in that court. So he would have been concerned. Some believe this is a pointed and inappropriate, if not impolite, criticism that somehow... In all the discussion, God has overlooked Moses' speech disability. Like, maybe he doesn't know. Does Moses have to update God on current events? Lord, I'm not sure if you knew this, but I have a weakness in this particular area. Are you sure you got the right guy? Are you sure you got the right gal? We all go through that. Why would God choose a man for this type of calling that lacked eloquence? After all, he was going to have to be some sort of political ambassador, largely reliant on his ability to speak. Why would God, let's just assume for a moment that Moses has a real speech disability. Why would God choose a man who struggled to speak well when his whole job is about speaking? I remember uh, a pastor, and his name escapes me at the moment, but he said he was at a conference. He had preached for decades and decades, and he was at a conference where he had really, he was on the verge of losing his voice, and he, uh, I think it was laryngitis or something like that. He had been fighting a sickness, and he said he was at this conference, and he was embarrassed that he had to croak out this message. He could barely even speak. And afterwards, he said he walked away from it, and he said he felt like he did not serve the Lord or honor the Lord well. And I I know after many times when I've shared the gospel or preached a message, I will say something like this, often from the front row, Lord, if you can do something with that weak offering of mine, then please do it. That's often how you feel when you're serving the Lord. And he said over the years, he would have college students come up to him And the sermon that they remember most out of his whole preaching career was the sermon that he barely could croak out. And the content and substance of that sermon was maybe one of his greatest ever. Because in his weakness, the Lord was strong. And I'm sure you've probably noticed this. The Lord does not take the... Uh, great things of the world, he takes the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. You might ask the question, why does he do that? Because he receives greater glory. So I think just on a basic level, if you're thinking through this interaction at the burning bush, you need to understand that God doesn't take the person with the most, you know, incredible gifts to use. He uses the weak things of the world to confound the wise. 
You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Producer Rob Newton here, and on behalf of Pastor Michael and the Walk in Truth team, thank you so much to our financial and prayer partners. Whether you have given a one-time donation or you have become a monthly partner, you have contributed to our mission to reach out with God's truth to all people and helping listeners like you apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You've heard that before, right? Well, we mean it. Thanks to our financial partners, we have added three new radio stations. Our prayer is to bless our new listeners the way we have hopefully been a blessing to you. If you're a long-time listener, would you please consider becoming a $5 a month partner? That may not seem like much, but every little bit makes it possible for us to continue our broadcasts, podcasts, and free apologetic events. Please become a partner giving at least $5 a month. Visit walkintruth.com to donate or call 844-48-TRUTH. That's walkintruth.com or call 844-48-TRUTH. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walkin' Truth. That God doesn't take the person with the most, you know, incredible gifts to use. He uses the weak things of the world to confound the wise. And there was another pastor who said, you know, I think for my ministry, God looked down and he pulled the weakest uh, vessel he could find out of the mud to use me for his glory. And I think that's something we all have to understand. In the Septuagint, it says that Moses stammered and stuttered. That's the Greek version of the Old Testament. Many Jewish traditions suggest that it was a speech defect. Example, in a Midrash, uh, Exodus Rabbah, it says that Moses was burned accidentally in his mouth with a live coal as a child. Ezra uh, Ibn Ezra, the medieval Jewish exegete, says Moses was born that way. With a heavy mouth, he could pronounce the sound of language only partly and with difficulty. All different conjecture about what was going on, but Acts 7.22 is an interesting thing to consider. And here's Stephen before the Sanhedrin, and he says these words about Moses. He says, Moses was educated, Acts 7.22, in all the learning of the Egyptians, and he was a man of power in words and deeds, Acts 7.22. So what's going on here? If Stephen says that Moses was a powerful man in word and in deed, what happened to Moses? Had he lost the ability? You know, sometimes as life goes on, we lose a measure of confidence. Maybe an area where we were confident at one point, maybe when we were younger, maybe we've lost some confidence. Is it that? Is it that maybe Moses' last uh, remembrance of him trying to persuade the people of Israel that he was the deliverer was ended in miserable failure? And we often focus on our failures and we say, I'm not going to do that again. I'm, I'm not going there again. Some of you have made that decision and it could be a, a myriad of different areas. I, I'm not going to go there again because I got burned or I got embarrassed or whatever it may be. He felt ill-equipped. Perhaps he felt unworthy. Another view is that Moses is doing something called a ritual protest. I just throw this out for your consideration. This is from Stuart. He says the idea is that of exaggerated humility or mannerly self-deprecation at the prospects of such a great assignment and great need of help. 
Moses does a huge amount of speaking in the remainder of the Pentateuchal narrative, the first five books, and law, yet nowhere did he reveal the slightest speech hesitancy or inability to make himself understood. The writer's basically saying, for the rest of the first five books, there's no hint that Moses struggles with speaking. No no documentation, no Bible verse that we could say he stumbled over his words, but he finally got them out. So what is going on here? We cannot be dogmatic, but what we can certainly say is that Moses has hesitation about his ability to get the job done. Whatever's at the root of it, whether he had a stuttering problem, whether he had a defect, whether he had an injury, whether he's doing a ritual protest because he's overwhelmed at the prospects of what God's calling him to do. And the Lord says to him, 11, who has made man's mouth or who makes him dumb or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now then go. And I, even I, will be with your mouth and teach you what you are to say. Implicit in God's response to Moses, verse 11, is I am the one who made you just the way you are, so stop making excuses. I know where your weaknesses and your strengths lie. I made you. And then this is an interesting verse to ponder. I also make the dumb, the deaf, the seeing, and the blind. Some of us look at that verse and we're like, wait a minute, what does that mean? I was reading a story this week of a pastor, I believe it was a pastor or a gentleman who was in leadership at a church and uh, a child was born to his bride and the child came out and the child had Down syndrome. And he was devastated and he didn't know how he was gonna tell his wife. His wife was away recovering and he talked to a a friend of his who was also a leader in the church and the leader pointed him to Exodus 4.11 and said, this is no mistake. The Lord is going to use this child for his glory. Now, I'm not gonna tell you that I understand everything about that. I don't, but I know the stories just like you do of Johnny Erickson Tata, who in that diving accident becomes a quadriplegic and she would say out of her own mouth that I don't believe that the Lord would have used me the way he used me unless I would have been in a wheelchair. That uh, wheelchair ministry she has all over the world. And she tells a story recently, she's had cancer as well, that she was in Jerusalem and she was at the pool of Bethesda. And I thought she was gonna talk about how she was gonna pray that the Lord would heal her finally. And she said she prayed and gave thanks that the Lord had not healed her so that her ministry could thrive from her weakness. Nick Vujicic is another one, and there are many other stories. You know, a guy with no arms and no legs who changes the world. Would he have changed the world had he been, you know, a normal person, whatever we call normal? Probably not. And in John chapter 9, Jesus is walking, and he saw, Jesus saw a man born blind. And the apostle said, Lord, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born this way? And Jesus said, neither him nor his parents sinned. This has happened that the glory of God might be revealed in this man. And if you read on in the account, the man does get healed and he becomes a picture of a spiritual awakening going from blind to seeing. 
and really becomes a, a rebuke to the religious leadership of the day. And there are times when we've gone through loss or we've you know, hit a, uh, several bumps in the road and somehow the Lord has used it for his glory. In this community, we had that terrible accident uh, just about a year ago where you know, there's um, people who are prominent in the church, lost children, teenagers. How do we make sense of that? I will tell you that I went to the service following that accident when, you know, uh, I think it was three young men perished, including uh, the Hawkins boy. And I was at Crossroads when they did, did that service, and that was jam-packed. There was probably over 3,000 people there. There were high school students there. And the uncle got up and preached, the uncle of one of the kids that died in that accident. And the uncle, I tell you what, you could have heard a pin drop in that sanctuary. And the uncle proclaimed the gospel. And it was such a powerful, emotional moment. And there were kids in football jerseys sitting there and all these kids from different high schools and youth groups and it was, a, it, was a, it was a God moment. Now, I can't tell you everything about, you know, the whys of life. I don't understand all of the, those things. I know our pain is real and our struggles are real, but God exploits it for his good purposes. And when Moses is questioning God, he's essentially saying, I don't appreciate the way that you made me, or I don't appreciate the weaknesses that you've given me. One writer says, every time we complain about our personal limitations, what we are actually doing is insulting the God who made us, close quote. We're saying, you didn't give me this. This is why I can't do what you've called me to do because of this and that. But I mentioned to you that God chooses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. Psalm 139.14 says, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. That's all of us. No matter what limitations you feel that you have, no matter, you know, sometimes what happens is the area of our greatest weakness becomes a doorway for ministry. Sometimes our greatest hurts The things that we've gone through in our lives become platforms for God to help us help others with the comfort with which we've been comforted by God. And I don't understand, again, every angle of that, but I will tell you that's what God does. For me, you know, I have the the pain of a father that left very, when I was very young. I have a background where I wasn't always a Christian. And I, my trajectory in life was not to go to Bible college and become a pastor. And I, I can understand people who go through those struggles. Moses is, is essentially saying, I'm not happy with the way you made me and why it isn't that you haven't changed me in the 15 minutes that we've been talking with each other. And we get impatient. You've been listening to Oh Lord, Please Send Someone Else, Part 1 on Walk in Truth. That's Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus 4, verses 10 through 17. And if you miss any part of today's program, you can listen to Walk in Truth on our Free Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, we'd love to hear from you. You can email Pastor Michael with your questions based on whatever you heard in his teaching today. Or maybe you have a question about something else or need encouragement or prayer. Or maybe you just want to share with us how Pastor Michael's teachings have blessed you. You can email Pastor Michael at this email address, 
contact at walkintruth.com. That's contact at walkintruth.com. One more time, contact at walkintruth.com. And thanks for reaching out. Now here's Pastor Michael with a final word. Hey, if you're new to the broadcast, this is Walk in Truth. It's a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship in the city of Corona, where I serve as senior pastor. Hey, if you'd like to know more about the church or even to talk to a pastor, we do have a number that you can call. It's 844-48-TRUTH, 844-48-TRUTH. We have pastors here during daytime business hours that could are more than willing to talk and pray with you. We have a lot going on in the fellowship. And uh, if you want to know more, if you've been out of fellowship for a while, you'd like to worship with us, you like the teaching style, the kind of verse-by-verse exposition that you're hearing, well, that comes from the pulpit of living truth. And the best way to get info and driving directions, keep it simple, go to walkintruth.com and click on that church tab. Walkintruth.com, click on the church tab. Lord willing, we'll see you right here tomorrow. Thank you for your prayers, for your partnership, and for your love. We appreciate you. Remember, Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry. Your financial partnership helps us broadcast on this station and provide the podcast for free. Also, more people like you can dive deeper into the Word of God and apply it to their life. Please consider becoming a Walk in Truth monthly partner of at least $5 a month, or you can always give a one-time gift. Visit walkintruth.com to give. And join us tomorrow for part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus 4, 10 through 17, called, Oh Lord, Please Send Someone Else. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, where it's our goal to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.